passage when we get to it. But I think the point here is just, you know, the Father loves him and has given all things into his hand, and therefore how important it is that we correctly correspond to the Son. He has all things. He has the Spirit in an unlimited degree. The Father loves him. He speaks the words of God. You'd better believe and obey the Son. Think about the relationship of Jesus to the Father. That's why following Jesus is so important. Verses 1 to 6. Therefore, I will warn you that the Pharisees have heard that Jesus came and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he did, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the part of the mountain that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Alright, so Jesus was actually making and baptizing more disciples by now than John did. The Pharisees knew about that. That seemed to be reason for Jesus to leave Judea and move back up to Galilee. Um, but when it says that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, he clarifies that. Jesus really wasn't, was he? How was that? Yeah. Jesus was baptizing them only in the sense that Jesus was the one teaching them and having them be baptized. The disciples were actually the very ones doing the physical act of baptism. What does that tell you? They're practicing it. They're practicing it, yeah. That doesn't tell you, right? That baptizing is not a big deal. Being baptized is, but being the guy who does the dunking isn't that important. That's what I meant. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I'm just <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes people miss that point and they think that the, um, you know, I guess like the, the, the value of baptism is in the guy who does it. It's not. It doesn't make a difference who does it. It's in the person being baptized in the Lord. The guy who actually puts the person under the water has no real specific significance. Great. Yeah, I think it also shows kind of how John is in relation to Jesus. Here, Jesus' disciples are the ones doing the baptism, just like John was doing the baptism. Uh, and Jesus is kind of over that. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I agree. Yes. <coughs> Could be. I think it's because he thinks there'll be trouble, he moves back to Galilee. And to go from Judea to Galilee, he goes the direct route. Most of the Jews would have gone the uh, circuitous route, taking uh, several more days, but avoiding the hated Samaritan territory. 
But Jesus goes right through Samaria. He's seated by a well at about noon. So many contrasts between chapter 3 and chapter 4. And one of them is the time of day. Uh, between Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman. I mean, so Jesus is tired, sitting by the well. We actually will find out later he's both thirsty and hungry. Been a long journey, and he's resting. Carlos. So, if John is supposed to be paving the way for Jesus, and at this point he knows who Jesus is, why is he still, is he still back there with people, knowing that Jesus and his disciples do the same? That's a good question. I think because he is still working to turn people away that, from their sins and turn people to Jesus. So I don't see him as a rival, but more or less his work is leading people to Jesus. His message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and the kingdom of heaven is yet to come. So his message isn't complete. Right, and he's, he's telling people to follow Jesus. So he's kind of the... Uh, doing the work of introducing people and getting them to following Jesus. So I, I don't know that there's any reason why he shouldn't continue to do this while Jesus is working as well. Good question. Other comments or questions? Okay, seven to nine. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Her disciples have gone away into the city by food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Interesting situation. Jesus sitting there by the well, this woman comes to draw water, and what does he do? He asks her for a drink. Are there some good reasons why you wouldn't have asked her for a drink? So, why would you not ask somebody you didn't know for a drink? Okay, that's a big thing. You can't trust them? Maybe so, Tim. You feel a little blasting some of the favor you've done something for them, but here's this woman who she would, it's like he hasn't done anything for her, but actually he has. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. Um, but yeah, you know, we do, we find it very odd to ask somebody that we're not really close to to do something for us. Even like, could you give me some water? I mean, this is not going to be turn on the spigot and give me water. This is going to be put your bucket down and pull it up and, and give me the water. Um, I think there's a lot of things to be learned by that. What's the best way to form a friendship? Probably asking for a favor. Would you rather be the person asking for the water or the person asked for the water? Mostly we'd rather be the person asked. Then you get to do the favor. The other person's obligated to you. We really hate to feel indebted to somebody else. They really like feeling like we're indebted to them. I don't know that it's a bad idea to sometimes ask people to do things for us. 
I mean, to be indebted to them. And, but, but as you said, she's a Samaritan. The Jews don't have dealings with Samaritans. You wouldn't ask the Samaritan. Be like going over to, you know, I don't know, Afghanistan or somewhere and asking a Taliban person for, you know, some water. Would you do that? And she's a woman. Men did not talk to women in public. That was contrary to tradition and custom and almost indecency. Jesus had to disregard established customs to have contact with the Samaritan. He took a risk. He reached out to somebody that it was not culturally appropriate to reach out to. I think that's pretty, pretty impressive. He did, he, oh, he did super awkward here. You know, <laughs> ask somebody you don't even know for a drink, and she's a Samaritan woman. And actually, Jesus knows she's an immoral Samaritan woman. You know, if you were going to ask somebody for a drink, it'd probably be an, a moral American person of the same gender. You know? So, Jesus really reaches out. He's just asking for a drink. But I think we can tell from the rest of the conversation he was not unaware of the possibilities of doing this. She, it's sort of touche, ha, 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 you're, you're asking me as an American woman for a drink? You know, you guys don't want to have anything to do with this until you get thirsty. <laughs> then you come, come want something from us. <laughs> it's kind of ironic that she dismisses him as a Jew because later at 848, the Jews will dismiss him as a Samaritan. <laughs> That's what they'll call him. So she's like, you're a Jew. Comments and questions through uh, verse 9? Yes, JP. Do you feel as though this, is his, this was his purpose as to go into Samaria and really just not care about, or as you said, the divisions between Jews and Samaritans? I think he didn't care about the divisions and he did purpose to reach out to Samaritans. Yeah. Jesus will make us a Samaritan the hero of one of his parables. Ben? You know, this wasn't just awkward potentially for Jesus. This must have been incredibly disconcerting for this woman. And I know for myself, I can always you know, encourage myself to say, you know, you wouldn't have a problem with it, but you don't want to make them uncomfortable. And I can get myself now, and I do that fairly often. You know, saying, it's for them, it's for them. And, it, and yet, the truth is not comfortable. Rarely is it to people, especially the need to hear it. And this situation just gets worse and worse. I mean, she brings up her husband, and you know, Jesus brings it up, and I mean, he just he goes very, very uncomfortably into the details of that situation, and, and yet she needs this. There is a um, there's a news flash. One of you've gone out to your car and you've got this news flash, and it's that we're under an atomic attack and everybody needs to uh, get to a certain point immediately. Would you tell anybody? You know that would be kind of be, I don't know stressful. People would probably be upset about it. People might be crying. Would you tell people? You know, and it's like, wow. People are losing their souls and we're worried that they're going to be inconvenienced. Now, I'm in the same boat Ben is. I probably do worse than he does. But it's ridiculous. It's like, wow. <laughs> you know, you don't worry about the convenience. You know, you see somebody's house on fire. Do you knock on the door and try to wake them up? 
or barge in if you can and try to drag them out. I mean, you know, you need to wake people up, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and Jesus is appropriate in what he does. I mean, you know, sometimes doing this gets an unfair bad name. In that, you know, Jesus didn't just, you know, as soon as she comes up, say, you're going to hell. <laughs> Wasn't like that. Now, he was very quick to talk about the living water, and he was even quick to show her her need, but he did it in a reasonable fashion. It's not that we're just trying to put people down or to become ridiculously obnoxious. Well, we're trying to open doors and talk about what matters. And Jesus did. Other thoughts? Yes. Maybe. Yeah, that had to is an interesting statement. Because you really didn't have to. So was this like God made him? Or the mission made him do that? Maybe so. Good good question. A lot of people have written about that, thought about that. Yeah. So. This probably has no doctrinal bearing. Probably a waste of time. How would she recognize him as a Jew? How would she, like, immediately, but you're a Jew. Probably dress your speech. Keller. Uh, Sue Hall tells the story that when he lived, I think, in England, he looked at his window one day and he saw his neighbor across the street, his, he was upstairs reading, and he didn't realize that downstairs there was a fire in his house. So Sewell ran running over, Mr. Hall ran running over to tell him, you know, flank on his door, you got to get out. He said he'll realize later he'd never been able to knock on that man's door and try to teach him the gospel. Wow. Good, good story. <laughs> <laughs> That's really. I mean, we're just, you know, you look at Jesus. He's tired, he's hungry, he's thirsty, and it is really not appropriate to even speak to this woman. He has a whole conversation with her about the living water. I mean, wow. If I'm tired, it's not the right time. If I'm hungry and thirsty, it's not the right time. And she was there to get water. She had business. You know, she probably had a family. She may have been a mother. You know, whatever. She had to live in at least. So she had work to do. You know, it's just not a good time. I mean, you know, don't have your Bibles there and whatever. And so, you know, it's just not good. You know, there's, all, there's a zillion reasons I would have used to just, you know, continue not looking up. You know, somebody's there. I mean, I think there's probably few passages that just make me ashamed of myself more than this one does. It's like, wow, man, we need to see people, we need to care about them, we need to get out of our comfort zone and out of our tired, hungry, thirsty zone to help them find the living water. Logan. <clears throat> There's a lot of that I see in John about the emphasis of being spiritual minded. I think especially of this and uh, when he's talking with Nicodemus about how whenever he's talking to people, they miss the entire message that Jesus is trying to send them, all because they were just focused on the things of this world. Yeah, very much so. You see that a lot. Chris? Sometimes people try to explain away some of the things in the Bible that it was a custom. 
you know, you heard that argument, well, that's just the custom of that time. It doesn't apply to us. Yet, God didn't seem to have any regard for customs in this section. I don't know if that is applicable in every, how that, you know, apply in every situation, but, but look at the way he dealt. It wasn't customary for a Jew to speak to a Samaritan, and it wasn't customary for a man to speak to a woman. And Jesus didn't seem to have any problem at all breaking custom. You know, sometimes we're way too bound by those sorts of things. You know, we don't want to scandalize anyone. We don't want to hurt anyone. We don't want, we don't want anybody to think we did something that wasn't appropriate. Uh, we can apply that in all sorts of ways. I hear it applied in all sorts of ways. Just remember, Jesus was not bound by what everybody else thought you ought to do. You know, Jesus did not have a prejudice against the Samaritans. The Jews did, he didn't, and he didn't hesitate to let it be known that he, he, did, he respected Samaritans. And Jesus was willing to talk to women in public, even though that was really frightening. Um, I don't know, I, I, think, I think, you know, we are too bound sometimes by traditions and customs and culture when we shouldn't be. Yes, too eager to look respectable. Go ahead, John. So why don't we greet each other with all the kids? Feel free. Yeah, probably, probably a probably a different question, but I I would say a couple things about that. Um, one is that I don't think from reading what's said about greetings in the New Testament that Jesus was trying to institute a specific greeting practice. Because there's lots of ways people greeted each other in the New Testament. There was not one fixed rule. And all the passages that talk about a kiss of some sort in connection with greetings are in the salutation parts of the letters. They're not in the doctrinal parts. So it's not like he's instituting holy kissing as an act of worship or something like that. It's just a way you greet each other. So, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, kissing as a form of greeting. We're probably not there thinking about, you know, anything passionate. You know, Brazilians kiss all the time, but they never touch their lips, they never touch anything. All they do is kind of whisk their faces past and kiss the air. That's it, perfectly uh, right. But I don't know that God was necessarily in that trying to institute the holy kiss, but a kiss of love or holiness. That's what I'd say. Other questions or comments about all that? Ben? <laughs> Didn't know I was going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we, we look at that in a very detailed way with what he does here, the way he turns the, the water to living water. We, we try and see these fine details of approach and things like that, and that's certainly not a hurtful thing to do, but I think the answer again is found in looking at a bigger concept. Look at what he says in verse 34 about how it's boost to the will of his father who sent him. This is something he needs. We need our food every day to keep our bodies alive, and if we need to do the will of God, we'll figure out these details. And no amount of discussion of approaches and methods and evangelism classes will ever compensate for us feeling like we need to tell people about salvation. And we'll never feel like we need to tell them as much as if we've actually felt that need ourselves. All that's right on. I mean, 
We rarely have difficulty communicating things we really want to communicate. We figure out a way to get it said. Other comments, thoughts, questions? Okay. I think we're going to break here, but let me give you a few instructions and so forth.